Peace and love, everyone. My name is Andrew Hewson. I'm a spiritual teacher. I'm here with my friend, David Davidja Buckland. David is an author. He has a blog, uh, davidja.ca, where he writes about uh, various topics uh, within the general theme of life and enlightenment. We have been having talks here together for about a year now, and we have uh, discussed many different things. It's all uh, really tying back into the general unfoldment of realization or enlightenment and the various things that may be encountered in the midst of that. Uh, David is also the author of a book, Our Natural Potential. It's a wonderful book uh, that uh, goes into the details of the seven stage model that uh, he expresses. And we both really come into this subject uh, from direct experience and direct uh, cognition. So we're not uh, arbitrarily or uh, intellectually just repeating things that we've heard. Um, we both are uh, just coming from what we have seen in our own process and what we feel may be relevant for the listeners. So we're glad that you're here with us. Today we're going to be exploring the uh, difference in orientation when it comes to the unfoldment of enlightenment. Uh, one of the classic uh, differences between the householder and the renunciate path and uh, just uh, subtleties in, in the midst of the process. So I'm glad to be here with you, David, uh, to explore this subject. Well, thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Perhaps we uh, can begin by just looking at the, uh, the difference between the, the householder uh, way of life and the renunciate way of life and give a little bit of context and see how that, uh, that kind of filters the, uh, the perception and the, the recognition of the, of the process of unfoldment as it uh, arises. Yes, I think it's important to understand first though that the underlying process is the same for everybody hmm. what's actually waking up to itself and so forth what varies is in the flavors um, of experience that different uh, body minds have in essence each of us is a unique point of experience hmm. a, 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 a unique uh, reference point within universal consciousness and that's essentially our, our nature to be here, to have a distinct experience of the whole and add that to the whole experience of itself to bring out all the details in that wholeness. And so, so it's in our nature to experience this process in a distinctive way, uh, somewhat different from everybody else's. And yet the underlying process is the same. It's variations in the flavors and experience of it. And yes, uh, one of the primary ways that unfolds <clears throat> is in that distinctive householder renunciate uh, uh, dynamic. Now, one of the things it's important to recognize is, is the, the flow of, of time and the uh, time moves in rising and falling cycles of greater and lesser uh, awakening. And historically, there was a descent out of a golden age into a progressively heavier period uh, and into a, a, a dark age, uh, literally when we had the dark ages in the West, as described in the West, um, it was a, a dark period in consciousness. And during that time, the renunciate uh, path had been somewhat lost and was revived uh, by sages like Shankara. And, um, you know, re-emphasized, particularly in the darker age, it was very difficult to make spiritual progress while out in the world. And so the renunciate path became uh, very strongly emphasized and uh, overemphasized in a way. But now we're rising out of that darker age and the renunciate is no longer necessary withdraw, to withdraw from the world to make spiritual progress. It's, it's better now to be following our natural path and by far the, ma the vast majority of us are uh, naturally in a householder's path. 
and that's only natural. I mean, if if we're all renunciates, then uh, human the human species would <laughs> would die out. Um, so it's important to have a, a balanced uh, life. And, and you know, we can look at the ancient texts, and the vast majority of the sages in those texts were householders. Um, this isn't something unusual. Um, did you want to comment on that further? Sure. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I can say a few things. And I think it's interesting that you point out that uh, in the in the ancient texts that a lot of the sages were householders, but I also find that there there are many uh, scriptures that tend to have more of a renunciant emphasis that have become popular within the circles of um, non-duality scriptures that are coming from uh, a space of seeing the world as um, illusion or, or seeing, seeing through the world. There's a, there's a heavy emphasis on uh, seeing that the world is just a, a play of appearances. And one of the most important things to, to recognize is that these, these scriptures are quite appropriate, but within a certain context. So oftentimes certain scriptures are coming from a certain stage or a certain uh, recognition or, or modality of conscious awareness. And if that is taken to be the, the, the only uh, option or that is taken to be the ultimate or the, the end goal without uh, the proper understanding that it's one stage in the midst of an unfoldment, then there can tend to be a little bit of confusion or a little bit of uh, uh, trouble that arises. Now, that being said, we've also discussed how uh, seeing the world as illusion can correlate with uh, the, the dominant guna or the, just the, the egoic filter that is present. And yes. so certain scriptures may be coming from more of uh, a rajasic uh, filter or more of a, a space of seeing, seeing through something. It, it is appropriate and we may pass through those phases where there's a prominence of seeing through something, seeing that something is unreal. At the same time, that's on the way to realizing what its reality actually is. What is the underlying truth of the appearance? So it's only half of the story to, to see what is unreal. The full story contains the recognition of the real. So in the context of the, the householder renunciate uh, flavors, you know, the, the renunciate path tends to have more of a masculine style approach and it tends to emphasize the seeing through the unreal and uh, transcending the, uh, the limitations of uh, the world and everything that is contained within that, um, that uh, web of attachments. At the same time, if it's not balanced out by the, by the feminine, then we end up with a bit of a lopsided process. Yes, and one that's somewhat uh, dry and so forth. Yes, I, I fully understand. Um, I agree with your points there. And perhaps it would be worthwhile just reviewing the, the Guna influence. Um, those are Thomas, Rajas, and Sattva. Thomas is essentially inertia, that which keeps things solid and, and, uh, and stable. And for most people, that's the dominant Guna in their, in their experience. And so they experience the world as solid and real. But as we uh, do spiritual practices and, and culture, uh, a deeper sense of self, then the, the gunas tend to shift. We, we shift into a more transformational uh, phase and then rajas becomes more dominant. And when rajas is dominant, uh, then we tend to experience the world as illusory, uh, like, almost like a mirage. Mm -hmm. and, and there can be a, a more renunciate emphasis in that period as well, simply because uh, the world that we had been devoted to before has become illusory. And mm -hmm. so it, it loses its charm. And we're much more interested in, in the inner reality that we've, that's been unfolding. And so there may be a tendency to 
to let go, which is great because it's essentially a letting go process that, that results in awakening. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that has become the teaching of a number of teachers to assist in that uh, initial shift. But not everybody has that flavor of process. Um, and, uh, and it is possible to awaken even when Thomas is dominant, but that tends to be a much more, uh, not as nice a process and tends to be create more um, uh, absolutism, what's the word, uh, mm. um, fundamentalism, mm, uh, yeah. rigidity about, about the experience and, and the understanding. And then as, as the, we further culture the physiology, then the sattva becomes dominant. And then the world is seen more as the divine play. Uh, we become more conscious of the dynamics that are underlying the activity of the world and, and what's driving that. And, uh, and so the perspective uh, changes again. But for sattva to develop, that requires the feminine. That requires the refinement and unfolding to take place. And, and that's what fills out the process when we have both masculine and feminine uh, processes under, underway. Yeah, that's a really beautiful point. And it kind of reflected back uh, some deeper layers of what was uh, what I was attempting to move into. And it's kind of this, this recognition that a lot of the, the information, a lot of the, the teachings that we have received in the West tend to, tend to come from sannyasis. They tend to, you know, at least uh, in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, you know, a lot of teachings were coming from or through uh, teachers that had taken a renunciate vow, you know, they were yes. living a renunciate way of life. And so that information made its way into the collective, you know, consciousness of the, the Western spiritual marketplace uh, yes. to some degree. And so and the differentiation between the household life and the uh, renunciate way of life was not always, not always, uh, explicitly understood you know there was a lot of uh, perhaps uh, vague borders and and things that were were not clearly delineated now there were certain teachers that did clearly delineate the difference and express that uh, it was appropriate to be more in the household uh, way of life but i find that oftentimes there there's just sort of a, an automatic assumption uh, by many and including myself that you know, spirituality means uh, something that is associated with this uh, renunciate way of being. And indeed, it, it does have a, a, a distinct uh, tie to renunciation. But yes. I would say that there's a there's a version of renunciation, which is appropriate for the household. And then there's a, a different, more uh, delineated, more uh, how would you say exposed level of, of renunciation, which has to do with taking vows and, um, you know, not per, uh, participating in certain activities and, and those kinds of things. Did you have something? You wanted to yes, say? no, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. Yes. Uh, yeah. I remember when I was young, um, my teacher was a monk at the time and I read one of his books and in the back, he talked about the different yoga or paths to enlightenment and I have a strong intellect and so I read about the path of the intellect the jnani and he said that, that for the jnani to be successful he has to be able to distinguish reality from uh, unreality and it's very difficult to do that in the world so this is the path of the monk and so I spent a little bit of time trying to figure out how I was supposed to be a monk in the west and <laughs> Uh, they, they actually, he actually developed a, a renunciate program later, but uh, uh, it also became very, very clear that to me, you know, I was a bit of a slow learner on that one, but uh, I, uh, it became very, very clear to me that, that uh, I was a householder and not a renunciate. And, and as the saying goes, that if you try to path, follow the path of another, then uh, you'll fail hmm. at both. Uh, so, it's, it, so if one is a natural householder, it's important to, to follow your path. I mean, that certainly doesn't uh, deny that we go on occasional retreats or uh, have a period of uh, where we're, renunciation is more emphasized, but it's more a renunciation of attachment than yes. renunciation of, of relationships and, and uh, uh, money and, and 
possessions and things. It's attachment to those things in, in either path. It's the attachment that's the issue that uh, keeps us tied to our individuality. Uh, and if we can unwind uh, that attachment, that's where we get results. Yes, yeah, very beautiful points. So even in the household way of life, renunciation is going to be a part of the unfoldment, you know, the, 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 the release or the uh, relinquishment of that, uh, that investment, you know, that, uh, that identification and uh, all of those things which tie us to feeling that we are small and limited and lacking, so on and so forth. So it, 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 it's very much there. And what I, what, I, what I find is that there just seems to be sometimes in muddy waters when it comes to the way in which that uh, can express itself in a very effective and efficient way. You know, I've, I find that a lot of us have, uh, or a significant uh, portion have, uh, re, you know, renunciate karma so there perhaps in different incarnations there was more of a uh, renunciate way of life and that tends to translate into our current householder situation you know there may be an attraction to this style of teaching you know an attraction to um, zen buddhism or an attraction to this kind of uh, monastery way of uh, of living or something like that and and that's that's beautiful and, uh, and, and appropriate and, and natural and not something that uh, anyone is deciding necessarily. But when we are uh, exposed to teachings that were, were being expressed in a monastic setting, you know, they have, uh, they have a certain tonality, they have a different approach that isn't always uh, appropriate, you know, when we are around our family and, and we're in the midst of those uh, dynamic exchanges of, of daily living. And uh, if, if we are not clear about this, then there can be perhaps uh, some difficulty that, that seems to arise even in the midst of the unfoldment, uh, where there appears to be this, uh, this discrepancy between what we, we feel is, uh, is truth and, and uh, aligning with truth and uh, what seems to be, you know, present in, in the world around us. No doubt there is a gap there uh, when, when uh, the conscious experiencing still is taking itself to be, you know, the body and the mind and, and feeling that it's, that it's limited. And that is, uh, you know, this, this field of ourself is, is awake to itself uh, here. Mm -hmm there's, there is a gap and there is some, some seeming distance, but it's always uh, our impersonal responsibility as the one that is awake to itself to understand where the, uh, the one that is not awake to themselves uh, seemingly is coming from. So it, it, uh, it's not possible for someone that is dominated by the, the mind and dominated by the ego to understand uh, where someone that is uh, in, a, in a stage of enlightenment is coming from. But it is possible for someone in a stage of enlightenment to understand where uh, someone that, it is, that, is at, that is at a different stage of evolution, uh, still feeling that they are you know, limited to, to content and form is coming from. Yes, because they've been there. Uh, another thing I've seen is that living in the world can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we get uh, difficult karmas showing up and, and uh, circumstances that we're, we're not comfortable with. So there can be this tendency to want to reject mm -hmm. what's here and what our life is, what's on the table with our life and our emotional state. And so one of the ways people uh, approach that is to withdraw from the world and try to become renunciate when rather than facing their their uh, challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, those experiences are here because they need to be experienced, not because they're just some something there. And if we're trying to escape, you know, go off and live in an ashram somewhere, and I've certainly met several people like that who spent their time trying to figure out how to escape their life. Uh, and what they really need to learn is how to be with their life and how to 
process the what's arising and complete it so that it stops or winds down. Uh, escaping is, is the opposite. It's, uh, it's not going to resolve what's coming up. Uh, it's, a, it's an aversion. Uh, and that's yeah. not going to get the results we're looking for. Spiritual, spiritual progress is, is a, uh, results from engaging life, not from trying to escape it. Yeah, a really beautiful point. And I think that that oftentimes is a, is a part of the picture when it comes to uh, a rejection of the healing process and you know the need for healing or uh, the possibility that there's still unresolved material after the initial shift. So oftentimes um, I observe that an initial shift has taken place and it's very clear that uh, you know there's some sort of a, a finality that's been defined in that and uh, yes. and uh, a, a pushing away of the, the possibility of any sort of further development you know that uh, could potentially take place and and an unwillingness to acknowledge uh, certain things when they come back around and when they come back up uh, not seeing that that's going to continue to happen no matter how many times <laughs> we say you know that's not true it's not real anymore i've seen through that i don't believe in that or or whatever, it's going to keep coming back around. And so the householder way of life is one that embraces the experiences of, of daily living in such a way that they serve the process, they serve the, the healing and resolution of unresolved material. And they in that they serve the refinement, they serve the deepening, they serve the, the expansion of clarity. Yes. And uh, we develop through that process, we develop a great skill at that. And then we're called on to help that with the collective. So we process those similar kinds of things in the collective. So it doesn't end. Uh, it, uh, we, we just serve a larger self. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. And it, uh, it, it's so, uh, it's so amazing how it works. It's, uh, it's like we're, we're given training wheels at first, you know, and certain things are being worked out in what appears to be a more proximate environment. And, uh, and then that, as as those uh, those different layers of unresolved material clear and, and process out, then uh, that starts to expand, and then, and we we see how it it uh, intimately uh, is associated with what is taking place within the collective right now, and um, because of the the impersonal clarity and the impersonal uh, open power that that has realized itself. Uh, there's a natural invitation for, for certain things to come into that space, which is really willing to allow them to process out, to allow them to, to, to heal. Yes. And that's really the beauty of the householder's path is because it is a fully engaging with life. Um, one of my teachers used to describe it as 200%. So you get this 100% uh, of the inner absolute and 100% of the relative world. Of course, later on, those two come together and become one anyways, <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's, but it's still kind of 200%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very beautiful. There was something else I was gonna say. I can't remember what it was. Just as surrounding our, you know, our general orientation and, and, and the way in which we experience the unfoldment. There are so many factors that go into that, you know, our, our cultural context, our, uh, our, our family setting, uh, our, uh, whatever it is that we seem to have an affinity with uh, when it comes to the, the, the hearing of truth or the reading about truth. Uh, whatever whatever the case may be these things these things tend to, to factor in to the uh, to the process to some degree not in a way that alters the same basic intelligence as you pointed out at the beginning because that is just a flow of, of the naturalness of um, conscious awareness blossoming within itself but it's the way that it's held you know the subjectivity tends to, uh, hold itself in in a unique way uh, as that uh, that grace is is unfolding yes we've talked before about with the masculine and feminine there's a um, 
they're both essentially accumulative our development on the on the side of development of consciousness and development of sattva or clarity uh, are cumulative through lifetimes so when we come into this lifetime uh, we're going to be picking up where we left off to some degree there's often some karmic processing stuff to do before it, it kicks in uh, it varies quite a lot but um, there's that uh, fundamental balance is already we're starting from a certain place which might be, be uh, a lot of refinement and it might be very little refinement it might be uh, a lot of clarity of consciousness it might be very little clarity of consciousness and there's and the two of them are in all kinds of different mixtures so that in itself is going to to create uh, uh, a certain flavor a certain style of of, of experiencing um, life and and the, the unfolding process and it's nothing there's nothing wrong with any specific experience that's a key thing to understand here i mean it, it is ideal that there's a balance of of masculine and feminine uh process and and uh we both encourage practices that uh help develop both uh, but where we're at is going to vary a lot um in terms of of, of uh, what's developed already and what's what's unfolding uh, and so, you know, if we have a lot more masculine and renunciate tendencies, um, that's naturally, that's fine. Uh, it's just we don't want to be going by concepts, what our mind thinks we should be doing. If you hear the, the, the mind telling stories, oh, I should be like this and I should be like that and uh, this is wrong and, and oh, I shouldn't be feeling this and um, I shouldn't think that. And, you know, those are all rejections of the experience. And we, we want to find a way to be with with it as it is so that it's it's smooth and, and we're we're allowing what's arising so that we can process it and clear it as opposed to uh, being in a constant resistance and being about in a battle with life that's not the household <coughs> the householder's uh, path either uh, that's just the path of resistance that so many people in the world are on yeah yeah that's a uh, a beautiful point and it kind of reminded me of what I was um, thinking about earlier I find that um, on the other side of the of the extreme you know there's the there's that renunciate uh, approach which you know has varying degrees of sophistication we could say or, or alignment you know there's there's renunciation which is very sharp and clean and precise and actually cuts you know uh, cuts through and then there's renunciation which is more uh, sort of a, an attempt to use concepts to uh, to manipulate experience or to ex to explain things away, and you know we I don't even know if we would consider that true renunciation, <laughs> no. or like <laughs> more of like a manipulation or a rejection or an attempt to control on a you know behind the mask of of some sort of um, spiritual understanding. Yeah, because conceptual re renunciation isn't really renunciation at all. That's a grasping at, at concepts and that are you know, fit the bill. And yeah, there, there's a, I remember running into a, 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 an animated video that somebody had done uh, where these two people are having this conversation and, and one of them talks about how beautiful the weather is and, and the flowers that are coming out and, and everyone dismisses it all as an illusion. And the, the, but it's all conceptual. And uh, uh, and finally, the surprisingly, uh, there's some breakthrough there, and they let that go a little bit, and and are actually able to experience the world. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so, and and on the other side of of the extreme, I, I have seen certain attempts then to sort of spiritualize uh, certain areas of experience as uh, as as a way of uh, moving into some surface level reconciliation of a, of a conflict or a sense that something is unspiritual or wrong. So an example would be, let's say that we there are certain belief systems or concepts or understandings surrounding spirituality that place certain areas of experience outside of the realm of being spiritual or outside of the realm of being in alignment with with spiritual realization you know these ideas that would say 
if you do this, then that's going to affect your enlightenment. Or if you do that, then that's going to affect your enlightenment or whatever. Yeah. So those are in place. And I mean, generally speaking, you know, everyone has a little bit of that here and there. You know, it depends on the case. Sometimes it's pretty heavy. Other times it's lighter. But then on top of that, there can be this attempt to layer. No, this is this is actually spiritual. This is actually I'm going to use this for my spiritual uh, enlightenment or I'm going to make this spiritual or something like that. So I would call that like spiritualization, quote unquote. It's not yeah. not actually realizing the essence. It's in it's like an explanation uh, to try to justify something, to try to make something okay that we inherently feel isn't okay because we have this position within our experience that <laughs> hasn't been resolved. Yeah. So it just ends up being more uh, crap just layered on top you know yeah. and there can be these kind of ideas about tantra and and things like that that are really more just kind of new age pseudo uh, understandings of what tantra truly is you know tantra has of course a uh, deep roots and is a, a very valid path um, but it's in the west there are certain understandings about it that are not the most accurate you know and uh, and that can be that can apply to everything. It's not just uh, the commonly understood sexual activity, but you know, just like eating food or or um, enjoying uh, the the different array of phenomenal uh, variety. You know, yes. so like this idea of sattva we were talking about earlier. There can be this real emphasis on living a sattvic lifestyle, yeah. and but completely superficially. Like, uh, I, ha I have to do this way because of this. I can only eat these sattvic foods, um, even if it's hard on your body or whatever like that. Uh, and we don't pay attention to that. It's, it's, we have this concept of, of this being sattvic. And mm -hmm. um, whereas the sattva that, that changes how you experience the world uh, is primarily in a much deeper place. And it's going yes. to naturally rise to the surface. Um, it doesn't come from concepts and, and uh, belief systems. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not through not eating garlic that you become <laughs> refined. <laughs> so you know, uh, there's certainly a lot of that around. But yeah, that it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's it's these. They're really belief systems that are picked up uh, innocently. You know, innocently, and they're not. They're not. They're. I think uh, originally, you know, they come into being uh, with some degree of value, but it probably is more according to the context and, you know, to the crowd that's listening. And then it sort of gets passed on or translated into uh, to other areas and it and it becomes an overgeneralization, you know, that doesn't have room or, or flexibility when it comes to the specificity of uh, our unique, you know, flowers that that are the the human physiologies that we're perceiving. Yeah. Um, so it's a real, a real major piece of uh, an in, you know, a, a comprehensive, integral unfoldment is is self honesty, uh, and and really this kind of self honesty is 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 a is a gift of grace. I mean, it's not the it's not the self honesty that we say, okay, I'm going to be honest with myself. Uh, and, and that's something I'm going to do, right? You know, it's it's something that we're gifted with uh, through a sincere, earnest, you know, openness to really see, to really see beyond our own blind spots and our own, you know, constructions about what what is going on. And uh, when we have that, then we're able to sort of penetrate through a lot of those ideas that uh, attempt to place the the spontaneous grace. Of, of enlightenment within these very limited kind of boxes yeah. and parameters, you know, that somehow are having to do with cause and effect and things like that. So, well, it's interesting too, because it's like this self-discovery process and it's not just on the level of the, the cosmic self within and the awakening process, but it's a discovery of what's actually here. Because mm -hmm. we get all this stuff laid on that, that you're no good at this or you're good at that. And uh, you're supposed to do this, this is how you're going to make a good living. And all these sort of ideas and stuff laid on uh, on top of our self-concepts. And seeing through that and finding out what's actually here. Hmm. You know, like I developed a concept that I couldn't write. I was terrible at it because of some experiences in, in uh, high school. And, and uh, I mean, it probably wasn't time for the writing to, to uh, 
start until much more recently, but um, but nonetheless, you know, I went through this whole long period of 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 uh, having these concepts that I was no good at writing, and yet it just started to arise naturally, and 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 uh, and I finally, you know, caught up to the uh, that I, that's what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> but it took me a while to, to to realize that because of these concepts I had that were contrary to that. So it's a real uh, self-discovery process, and and a lot of that can mean um, dropping all these old self-concepts that really, you know, stories about ourselves that really don't uh, uh, reflect what's actually here. What are the laws of nature that are are functioning, and when when we get out of the way, that they can express through this body mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the householder way of life really supports that. Uh, you might say in a, in, a, in a way that the renunciate uh, approach doesn't always, not that, it, not that it's not there, but perhaps a little bit more concealed or hidden yes. in the sense that we're, we're really opening into the vulnerability of our, of our humanity, you know, at, while there's a simultaneity of realizing the infinity of our, of our divinity, of our, our, of our reality as, as this field of conscious awareness. So, we 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 move through this uh, this uh, this sweetness of of allowing these you know deeper energetic wounds that they're not wounds that have come from from out there you know they're 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 self-inflicted if you will in the sense that through our own misperception about existence you know and our own ignorance uh, certain things seem to have been accumulated and. And when we open into that and allow it and feel it out and, and witness it resolve, then that, uh, that softness that, that, that kind of touches into itself uh, realizes the, the, the power of itself because that softness, that, that openness, that gentleness is really truly powerful. It's actually uh, extremely potent and, and there's a familiarity that can begin to develop. And so then rather than uh, you know, curling up or, or uh, constricting every time something arises, there's a, there's a more and more a willingness to open in and to open in and, and to feel that fully and to really allow that to complete. And uh, one, one of the uh, things that I often speak about is how we come to this space where we we realize that we're actually this this one infinite father, this one infinite mother, and we're the child. So in a way, it's like we're our own child, um, because we're the source. <laughs> we're the we're that love. We're that that rock, that power, that gentle, uh, compassionate light. And at the same time, we're the there's we're the expression. There's the expressed value of that, and so it's it's almost like we're able to hold hold our own our own humanity like a child from the space of our infinite uh, uh, motherliness, fatherliness. You know, on the level of formless reality. Yes, it's a beautiful point. I would also note that from a, a householder standpoint, that relationships are a great way to learn about uh, what we are and uh, because they, they're a reflection of, of that and uh, also of our stuff. <laughs> what hasn't been seen yet um, can get reflected back at us and we might you know, often be in a, a mode where we're blaming the other person for, for being a certain way and yet how we are is often what brings that out of them. What, how we are is what calls that out of them and so those kinds of dynamics show up in relationships. We're not going to find them sitting by ourselves somewhere. <laughs> well, we might, but it'll be a little slower. A little so, slower. Yes. That's a great, uh, such an amazing point, David. You know, uh, and it kind of goes back to what we were touching about at the beginning. We can have these phases where it's very attractive to be, you know, alone <laughs> or to, to spend long hours, you know, sort of kind of. Uh, you know, on our own and, and not really have much interaction. You know, we may go to the grocery store, go here or whatever. Um, 
but there's there's uh, there's there can be definite stages where there's an attraction to less interaction, and that's valid. It has its place, as you as you noted. Um, yes. It's only only natural that we're going to go through that. At the same time, once we begin to taste the the power of that of the of the process of healing and resolution, and see how valuable that is, and and after you know a certain maturation and in, in stages and and modalities unfolds, then we kind of more or less oftentimes come back around to that, you know, come back around to the, yes. to the depth of the value of, of resolution and healing and, and the, yeah. uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to know too, that there, we just have to check in because sometimes it's natural to have a more inner period when we're processing a lot, or we're just wanting to be with the peace or the happiness, mm-hmm. but it's important to check in and make sure it's not an avoidance. Yes. We're not stepping back because there's something we don't want to see or there's something we're uncomfortable with. That's a time to actually step forward and, and step into it, um, however it's showing up. Yes. Yeah. Great point. That's kind of what I was moving into is that, you know, that's only a temporary stage, you know, in, in, uh, for most of us. It's, it's just something, you know, different periods that we pass through where, where that does feel appropriate. And if, if there is some sort of avoidance mechanism, David, or there's some uh, some aversion uh, or an attempt to to escape or get out of something. Typically, it's going to be revealed in the the interactions that are present. You know, yes. so if we if we're touching into interactions and there seems to be conflict or we seem to be just pushing them away and saying whatever or, or using spiritual concepts as a way to justify or rationalize or write off stuff, then that's a that can be a signal that perhaps there's something we need to look at and just. <laughs> And, and that also can be an invitation to return back into more of an interactive way of being and to allow that to, to really enliven the path in a new way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating process too, because it's such a minefield, because uh, relationships are also often a vehicle for karma. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like a mutual, uh, a mutual uh, advantage in there and that they're they're bringing out some aspect that they need to see and and uh, and uh, uh, in the interaction or bringing out something in you and I mean I mean I've even seen circumstances where somebody pulls out of a relationship because they don't help, like how they become when they're with a certain person because mm-hmm. of the way the person is and it's not necessarily overt this can be um, quite subtle there can be just this this energetic holding that's even though we're not conscious of it it can be very present and um, bubbling just below the surface so to speak and uh, and then the whoever we're relating with is responding to that even though we're not conscious of it and then we sort of like, oh, they're being a twit or, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and you know, and that, but then if you ask them, they're like, I'm not like this with anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not my normal pattern of behavior or or something like that. Um, or maybe it is their normal pattern because that's just they're they're attracted to somebody who's who's difficult or, um, or who you know, uh, the classic thing where people end to end up getting the same difficult boss and wherever they go to work or they or the uh the you know the boyfriend that ignores them or or the uh yeah whatever you know there's all all kinds of flavors of that that are very very common um and um and but that that actually what they point to is not them it's 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 you and it's not that there's some blame uh, necessary in this process here. It's just a recognition, just a turning it back on yourself and looking at, okay, so what is it here that's calling that forward? And, and this isn't something we're going to answer with the mind. Uh, well, maybe sometimes the mind gets a sense of it, but, but really this is about looking deeper, looking in what's driving the bus, so to speak. What, what's, what are the energetic drivers? we're much more likely to experience that as some kind of emotional aversion or reaction or, or some flavor on that level, because that's kind of the way we subjectively experience a lot of energy is through our emotions. 
Yeah, that's such a great point. That's really the name of uh, the name of the game, if you will, when it comes to to the the reflective potential of relationships is seeing that there is no there is no one to blame. You know, it's uh, whatever it is that's being that's being reflected back is is being reflected back. There's something that is uh, that is you know wanting to be seen, if you will, from a from a, a more uh, optimistic perspective and it, if we if we have that recognition then we can develop an introspective lifestyle where we are reflecting you know and we are sort of looking and investigating in a non-controlling way in a way which is just gently opening and allowing and willing to see willing to see yeah. really not obsessing you know just, not just noticing yeah yeah it's noticing and and op- and and willing uh, to optimize the the karmic value of relationship, you know, because the point you make about relationship being a, a, such an intimate um, possibility within the householder way of life is just profoundly true. You know, it these and it's not just relationships. We think of relationships as, oh, my relationship with my wife, or my relationship with my grandparents, or my relationship with my father or my husband or my brother or whatever. No, you know, those relationships, of course, tend to be a little bit more uh, right here, you know, and, and depending on the case, but any, any relationship, any kind of dynamic relational interaction has profound value in it, you know, whether it's a trip to the grocery store, your interaction with the cashier, um, and uh, just different attractions, aversions that may arise if you're sort of in a group setting, or you're walking by somebody, or you you know, see a judgment or something uh, that's just a little conditioned pattern. So it's just allowing the the whole field to to mirror back different things and and just noticing and relaxing and uh, just being willing to fold that back in or or offer it back. Yes. So much of our interrelationships, we have no idea how we're affecting other people. And again, that's not in our control. How they're responding is is their territory. Um, But we do want to put our best foot forward, so to speak. Mm. Uh, just going through the world in a bad mood and, and grumping at everybody uh, is not going to really uh, bring us a positive experience of, of interactions with other people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, if we're, if we're uh, you know, doing that introspection and uh, healing and are respectful that other people are part of our life. Uh, we live in a world, in a community. Um, just as our body is composed of millions of cells, um, trillions even, uh, each with their own life. Uh, so to, in a con- on a consciousness level, uh, are we, we're a part of a, a much larger milieu that is composed of all these other uh, life forms that are also experiencing from the same consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not a separate, isolated individual. We're, we're in this together and we're uh, constantly interacting and, and playing off each other in all kinds of complex ways, much of which, which we're uh, totally unconscious of. Uh, but the idea that we're separate in any kind of real way, I mean, even the basics of, of food and water require the, a whole uh, system and infrastructure to uh, support us. And uh, those are you know, fundamental to even living. Hmm. Yeah, really, really beautiful point. There's a couple things I, I, uh, that are coming up surrounding the, the kind of the, the non-dual concepts that can sometimes be adopted in, uh, in, in certain settings and misappropriately sort of used. Uh, so, you know, as you point to there not being any separation, you know, that is, there is no separation. It's so true. But the, the idea that there's no separation or the idea that there's no people or, or just the concept of that, you know, in the context of, of the, the emergence of relationship, you know, has, has the potential to um, be misused or, or misappropriately held. Yes. Um, so it, even in the, even in the uh, let's say we, we directly perceive that there are no others. And that is, that's not a concept. It's uh, an obviousness. Yeah. Yes. Even then we're, we're, we're on an even more intimate level than feeling that there were other people because 
then we're beginning to see that it is our self uh, that is appearing as the other. Uh, or we're beginning to see that it is the divine that is appearing as the other. So we, we don't move from, you know, feeling like there are people and, you know, acting sort of appropriately in the context of, um, you know, loving exchange or, or relational dynamism to then seeing that there are no people and acting like other bodies are just pieces of furniture to be sort of <laughs> <laughs> whatever, uh, or, 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 or made into, into something, you know, be, that, that can you, happen sometimes. It but, can, it can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a transition. It's a, a phase and it should not be taken as, as a, as a, any real sense of greater reality. Um, right. Yeah. So that's kind of my point. Of course it does happen, but that's uh, it's a temporary, it's a temporary yeah. stage. And I would say, David, if, if we understand that that could happen and, and, you know, someone is watching this perhaps where that is the case or something like that, that we can, there can be a sort of an accountability to a higher principle like love or understanding or compassion. Yeah. That yeah. holds the, the vision of, yeah, you know, these just seem to be sort of like hollow mechanical <laughs> body minds or whatever, walking around, uh, <laughs> um, that does seem to be that way. Uh, at the same time, um, there's a willingness uh, to not let that become something that it isn't, you know, or and, and not in an attempt to control, but just as a, as a the 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 wisdom of of discerning that uh, there's more to the story than than perhaps meets the eye. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. It's that's one of the values of of. Uh, spiritual study yes. is to put things in context mm -hmm. and yes people can create big concepts out of, out of uh spiritual ideas that we've been talking about some of those as we've been going along here but uh the real value there is is in understanding what's ahead mm -hmm. and and then we have some context it can feel some of these experiences can can feel very uh, real very uh like this is reality Mm -hmm. uh, this is complete reality, you know, Absolutely, that right. can be there. But if we have some context and recognize that that's, that's something that can arise, but it's not um, an absolute, you know, in that kind of sense, we may have an impression of, then we're not as likely to get caught in it. And, the, and when we get, we buy into it and, and uh, invest in it, that's when it can cause us some trouble. Yes, that's also the value of like having a teacher or teaching where there's a uh, um, some, you know, maturation that, that is present and is able to give that context, is able to yeah. um, provide a stable point of reference in that. Yeah, and to call us on our BS. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too, yeah, yeah. So, and that's really account of, you know, accountability. Um, of, of course, it, we have the potential to enter into uh, relational accountability in more of an explicitly um, delineated way, you know, in, in an agreed upon way, but basically the whole universe is a system of accountability in a, in a, in a certain sense. We, we may be more or less conscious of it, but just the, the mere uh, relationship uh, that you were pointing to, relationship itself is a form of accountability, you know, um, when we allow it to be, because it, it shows us, uh, you know, different, uh, different areas that need to be looked at. Yes, another aspect of this too is um, if there is sufficient feminine unfolding, um, sufficient sattva, after awakening, there's a period where um, where the uh, the higher value of the heart opens, kradaya, it's called, and um, it's also referred to as the heart mahamarma, and there can be this beautiful unfolding of the heart and love as you spoke to um and for some people the way that uh, unfolds is well essentially it unfolds through relationship and for some people that unfolds uh, through relationship with another apparent person um 
and because uh, in order for love to flow, there has to be a, a an other in a sense, not necessarily an overt other, but just some value of an object of of uh, devotion, mm-hmm. and that might take the form of of uh, some form of the divine, or or as a teacher, or through one's mate, or uh, uh, yeah, but largely in some form of relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I'm glad that you brought devotion up because uh, it's it's relevant in in what we're talking about here today. <clears throat> when it comes to you know the different orientations and uh, and uh, the householder versus renunciate path, there's. Believe it or not, you know, devotion is uh, present in 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 renunciate uh, settings and uh, yes. and and sannyasi, uh, uh, you know, monastic uh, ways of life, uh, just as much as it is in 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 household settings. So, um, typically, we you know, there's an association of, of a monastic way of being with being more of a masculine um, uh, uh, approach, but oftentimes it does uh, uh, um, have a great deal of devotion and and heart development uh, contained within it. So, yes, when I, when I first studied the the yogas or paths, I touched on very briefly earlier. Um, I was under the impression that you were on this path or you were on that path. And when you, when they say things like, um, uh, you know, if you try and follow the path of another, you'll fail, um, but most of us are actually blends. Mm. There's, like, there's the you know path of the intellect. There's the path of the heart. There's the path of the karma yogi uh, through action and perception. Perception is a key part of the karma yogi path, and and then some other uh, finer flavors. And I used to think it was one or the other, but I realized that number one that we're we're usually a mixture, mm. and so I have a strong uh, intellect, but I also have a devotion. Mm. to understanding mm-hmm. and uh and also uh the different stages of the path have roles at different stages of the process too like i mentioned um the heart opening devotion has a, a major role there and it became, can become quite a bit more dominant uh during uh certain phases like that um the process of coming up to awakening is often a karma yogi kind of process because it's through uh this integration of touching into source and then integrating that through action. Um, we come to a place where we're prepared for uh, the awakening. And uh, uh, and, and then the unity process is, is uh, the intellect plays a key role. Uh, we may not identify with it as, as the intellect in that kind of sense. Some people are more, more uh, uh, more masculine form of intellect, but then you have the sort of the, the discriminative intuition, we could say, mm. uh, that, that fine uh, flavor, the f- sort of feminine flavor of, of the intellect, um, which an uh, either flavor has a key role in the unity process, because there's this whole uh, progressive recognition of all the layers of experience being the self, um, and that's discriminated through the discriminating intellect. And so, so there's that multiple things where we have there's different flavors of paths, and we tend to be a bit of a blend. And then we also have this unfolding process where one becomes more dominant for a while and, and shifts around. Yes, yeah, and and when it comes to devotion, you know, in its most essential sense, it's it's really I would say, you know, has the potential to be recognized as present, irrespective of the stage, and and irrespective of the of the unique conglomeration of, of, of impressions. In a certain sense, you know, we're always devoted to something. It's just a matter of what that devotion appears to be directed towards. So we could say that in, in uh, our unawareness of the self, you know, uh, depending on the case, we, we tend to be devoted to our perception of the world, you know, what we think we are, who we think we are, what we think is going on, uh, what we feel is important in the world that we see. Yes as being out there. And uh, that's, it's in a way a form of devotion. And, and it's one that uh, is that oftentimes quite resilient, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like unwavering, you know, <laughs> devotion uh, from a certain perspective. Now, you know, there's a more refined understanding of devotion and that typically 
points to the devotion that moves in the direction of of realizing reality you know of reality waking up to itself of this field seeing the truth of its always isness and in that context there's devotion to truth there's devotion to understanding just like you're pointing uh to there's uh, do, there's devotion to expression or application to to meditate every day to um to have a certain attitude you know in the midst of of uh the unfoldment of life so there are these different uh levels of devotion you know different ways in which devotion expresses itself and whether it's jnana or uh, or karma, uh, you know, devotion is present because we cannot move in, in, in this directionless direction of realizing what we are without that devotion, without that commitment, you know, to, to, the, to the unfoldment itself. Yeah. And then in the, in the midst of that, you know, there's this possibility of the, of the devotion taking the flavor of love, you know, taking the flavor of that love of love, that love of, of, uh, of uh, of the sweetness of divinity, you know, of the sweetness of life itself, and but it's always it's always present, you know, and and we go through different stages where it it seems to be expressing itself in a certain way, and they're not necessarily uh, set up in an either or dynamic, you know, it's it's as you were pointing to, uh, uh, very much a blend, very much a mixture, so in the household way of life uh, in the West, there tends to be sort of a, a misunderstanding of devotion and kind of a strict association of it sometimes with, uh, with um, Judeo-Christian sort of background, or if it, if it is understood in the Eastern context, then it seems to be, you know, only associated with like altar worship or, or those kinds of things, which those are, you know, very much a part of it and, and appropriate. But there's another possibility for a devotion in the midst of, of simple daily living, you know, devotion in the midst of, of human relationship, devotion in the midst of the unfoldment of life. And that can be very supportive on the householder path. And uh, I found that just the, the willingness to open into that and to sort of acknowledge, you know, the word acknowledge has, a, has profound significance when we allow it to. It's, it's almost... Through, in, through acknowledging something, we enliven it, you know, we enliven it. Uh, the self enlivens that, that possibility within itself, enlivens that, uh, that intelligence within itself. So when we acknowledge, when we begin to just subtly acknowledge the divinity of life, then that tends to be enlivening. Um, and, and not as a belief, not as something that we should do, you know, uh, not as something that's going to get us somewhere, but because that couldn't be true acknowledgement, you know, but as a, as a true acknowledgement. And uh, I've, you know, I've seen this kind of sweet possibility for in, in the midst of what seemed to be kind of mundane, simple interactions, just kind of bowing, you know, to, to what appears to be the other, but not necessarily in a, you know, hands folded kind of, you can see the bowing way, but just in an inner acknowledgement, you know, just bowing. Uh, and to the trees as you walk by, just a bow. And you can feel life bowing back. You can feel the flows of life yes. just bowing back. And, and there, can, there can be that resonance of, of the flow of love and appreciation and, and recognition that begins to shine forth. Yes, and life loves to be acknowledged. Yes. And we're, that's the funny thing, we're acknowledging ourselves. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, I feel like we've covered uh, quite a bit. Do you, is there anything that uh, you feel like we've left out there? No, it uh, feels a, yeah, that's good. So we've just uh, just a re recapitulation. We've gone over the uh, the difference between the the household and the renunciate way of life. We've discussed that they're not uh, you know there's there's more effective and efficient ways to be aligned with both, and that they're that they're also uh, 
that renunciation is contained within the household life to a certain degree, you know, and uh, that our appropriate context is, uh, is vital, you know, as far as the potential for a, a deep, comprehensive unfoldment and an effective and efficient way to, to be with the process, to align with the process, that there's the, the possibility for uh, the different uh, filters, the different gunas, you know, the different perspectives, and that we can hold those as um, temporary, you know, depending on the case, and we can uh, witness the fluctuations in that. And we can see uh, relationship become uh, uh, a beautiful uh, tool or a, a beautiful uh, aspect of evolutionary intelligence in a conscious way, in a way which is uh, immediately recognizable. And we can allow the, the daily presentations of human life to, to serve that ever deepening, ever uh, fulfilling uh, flow of realization and uh, yeah mm -hmm. all through grace yeah and we always uh, give all glory to pure divinity all glory thank you david thank you andrew